Uh, so I'm Scott Reisett. I am uh, <clears throat> your preacher today. I'm also a new uh, elder board member. Um, how I'm doing this is Pastor Tri said, you know, if you get on the elder board, you have to preach. And then I said, really? He says, yeah, really? So yeah, here I am. No, that's not true either. I'm going to continue the message in uh, 1 John uh, that Tri started. Uh, I'm going to be talking about chapter 2. Um, and so <clears throat> let me go to the first one. I point up there. There we go. Look at that. Okay, so let me help you out a little bit here. Um, I was here when pa Pastor Tri went through Nehemiah, and I saw the frustration of many of you who are using the church Bible here. Okay, where is Nehemiah? Where is it? And they're searching all over to try to find it. So what I've done, um, if you look up at the screen there, I've actually put the page number. Okay, because we're going to jump around uh, in the Bible a little bit. And so if you're using the Bible that's underneath your chair, then if you don't know where First John is at, hey, you can just look at the page number and you'll find it. Okay, now, NLT, what does NLT mean? Uh, NLT means the New Living Translation. And so there's many translations of the Bible. There's the King James, the New King James, New International Version, the Jerusalem Bible, the Message. There's all kinds of different versions. Okay, here's the deal. The best message is the one you'll read. That's the best message. So, yeah, I mean, find a Bible that works for you and then use that Bible. I'm going to be using the New Living Translation because uh, that's the one that I enjoy. Uh, so when you go to page 986 in the Blue Bible, um, it might read a little bit differently than this, but it's the same concept, same concept. Okay, so let's go through um, the verses first uh, so that um, we're on the kind of the same page here. So it says, My dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins. And not only our sins, but the sins of the world. And we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we are living in him. Chapter 6, verse 6, I'm sorry. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Dear friends, I am not writing a new command for you. Rather, it is an old one. You have had from the very beginning this old commandment to love one another is the same message you've heard before. Yet it is also new. Jesus lived the truth of this commandment, and you are also living it. For the darkness is disappearing, and the true light is already shining. If anyone claims, I'm living in the light, and hates a brother or sister, that person is still living in darkness. Okay, so let's talk about verses 1 and 2 first of all. Let me just, I'll repeat them for you. My dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sin. And not only our sins, but the sin of the world. Okay, so what's an advocate? Let's start with that. 
An advocate is someone who fights for you, someone who um, is uh, putting their shield up so that uh, you are protected. Uh, there's a lot of biblical examples. So recently, uh, Tri finished the, the uh, series on Nehemiah. Nehemiah was an advocate. Uh, he was advocating for his people by building the wall to protect them. Uh, Moses uh, was an advocate for the, the people against Pharaoh. He was uh, the one leading them. Uh, Esther, uh, she was an advocate for the Jewish people because Haman was trying to have all the Jewish people killed, and she was one of them, and, and her people were too. So an advocate helps the helpless. Um, they're the person you want in your corner, per se, or in your foxhole. So let's just uh, look at a couple other verses that talk about that advocate theme. Okay, so we're going to jump here, I think, maybe. There we go. Okay, 1 Timothy 2. Again, this is on page 961. For though there is only one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man, Jesus Christ. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. This is the message God gave the world at just the right time. So in other words, an advocate chooses to actually be an advocate. Okay, no one can say, okay, you're, you're an advocate. Okay, it's a choice that a person makes. And there's also a risk at being that advocate because if you're on the front lines, if you're the person who's standing up for someone else, okay, then many times you end up also being a target. You end up being uh, someone that um, uh, other people are saying, well, man, if you're for that person, then I'm against you too. Another verse. Hebrews 9, again, this is on page 973. For Christ did not enter into a holy place made with human hands, which was only a copy of the true one in heaven. He entered into heaven itself to appear now before God on our behalf. The, the challenge with, with God is God is complete holiness. God is complete purity. And so when we come before him as not pure, how can God accept us when he's 100% pure, 100% light, 100% holiness? Okay, but at the same time, God is love. So God wants to unconditionally love you too. So how does that reconciliation happen? How can he love someone like me who's not pure, not holy, when he's 100% holy? And that's where that advocate comes in, Christ. Christ is the one who bridged that gap so that God in his holiness could love us. Romans 3, page 913. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for, the, for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. Okay, the sacrifice has already been done. It's done and over and finished. But now our role, what we need to do is we need to actually believe in the sacrifice. It doesn't do any good if the sacrifice has been done, yet we don't believe it's happened. And lastly, 1 Peter 2, page 981, he, that's Jesus, never sinned, nor ever deceived anyone. 
He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. Okay, are you, present tense, you are healed. Okay, so in other words, Christ, through all of these verses, he is the perfect advocate. He, he knows all the facts. You know, I, I have this misconception that, oh, you know, I'm going to keep this secret from God. That, that doesn't really work so well. God knows our secrets. He knows all the facts. He's an expert with the law because he's God, but at the same time, he's able to provide grace and forgiveness of sins. Okay, I need an advocate. I, I, I might look put together. I might look like, you know, Scott, you know, he's a good guy and he doesn't kick dogs and stuff like this, but I... I I have many things that I do incorrectly and I am sinning about. And I need Jesus, just like we all need Jesus, to be that advocate for us. So, verse 4 and 5. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments... That person is a liar and is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we are living in him. Okay, so this verse is confusing in that it almost alludes to works versus grace. Why do I follow the Ten Commandments? Why am I trying to follow God's word? I mean, is it to, is it to be a good person? Is it, is it so that I think I'm good? Um, is, it, is it actually to show my love to God? Is it so that I don't feel guilty? I, I, I want to follow God, but at times I'm struggling because I'm going, you know, I'm not worthy of this. So I, I must do these things so that God will accept me. And that's just not how it works. I mean, I'm supposed to love God first. <clears throat> and then because I love him, then I follow his commandments. Okay, not the other way around. In other words, I'm going to not do all the, the bad things, you know, all the nots, shall nots. Not, I'm going to follow all those and then God will love me. Verse 6 says, Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. So, in other words, words versus actions. See, today, I mean, if you, let's say you go to the hospital and they are admitting you, and then they ask you, you know, what's your religion, and like 80% of people say Christian. But is that true? Are they, are they really Christians or are they just saying that? I mean, talk is cheap. I mean, I, I can say all kinds of things, but if you're 
saying you're a Christian, if you're saying you're following God, then actually I should put forth actions that would demonstrate that. Let me read verse 6 again. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. So how did Jesus live his life? Number one, and the big one, this is the big one. He loved them. He, He loved people. And he forgave people. Of all the sins, all the bad things, he he did that. I mean, sometimes it is very difficult for me to forgive those who wrong me. Um, Family, um, friends, colleagues, other people. Um, But imagine how difficult it was to forgive all people, no matter what they did. Okay, now remember... You know, it's easy to kind of get caught up in this, well, I mean, Jesus was God. I mean, you know, he went through the, the scourging and he went through the crucifixion and he went through the people rejecting him and the people spitting on him. I mean, but I mean, he was God. Okay, but at the same time, he was 100% human. And that's the thing that's hard for us to reconcile, at least me anyway. Okay, how do you be 100% human so in other words, all that stuff that I said, he experienced like you would, and at the same time be God. So th- that is challenging for me to understand in that he felt that hurt. He felt that pain. He felt that betrayal. I mean, there, there are belief systems out there that, you know, uh, Jesus was just kind of a a, 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 a kind of a, a model or a, 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 a animatronic type of person you know, that wasn't a real person. Okay, that's heresy because that, that, Jesus was a real person. And so the good news is no one, no matter what sin has been committed, is beyond forgiveness. Okay, and that's good news for me. All a person has to do is turn from sin receive Jesus' forgiveness, and commit their life to him. Okay, now, even after I do this, I still fail at this. We all fail at this. That's why every day is a new day, a new commitment, turning from sin, receiving Jesus' forgiveness, and committing life to him. This turning from sin, it's not that cheap grace you know, that Dietrich Bonhoeffer talks about in that book, The Cost of Discipleship, a classic, okay, where, where he talks about cheap grace, meaning, okay, I sin, I say, I'm sorry, but then I just keep doing the same sin again. I, I, I just say the words, oh, I'm sorry. Okay, you know, don't say names, you know people who've said they're sorry, that they're really not sorry. They're still hurting you. So you're forgiven when you turn from sin, Receive Jesus' forgiveness, and then commit your life to them. John 14, verse 23, page 875. All who love me will do what I say. I mean, that's, that's hard to do. I mean, he talks about, you know, 
doing what you say and following up and the old commandment, you know, about loving others as you're supposed to love him and stuff like that. And when it talks about old commandment, believe it or not, the first time that that is mentioned in the Bible is back in Leviticus, okay? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, okay? That's the first time that's mentioned about loving your neighbor, okay? So it's an, it's an old uh, concept, but Jesus makes it new. So in Matthew 22, page 804, Jesus says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now I'm giving you a new commandment. This is in John. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. For love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. Okay, disciples, for those of you who are thinking, well, what, what's a disciple? Uh, friends or followers. Mark 12, page 824. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And the second is equally important, to love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. See, the thing is, if it says no other commandment. See, if you loved your neighbor as yourself, you wouldn't kill someone. You wouldn't steal from them. You wouldn't commit adultery. You wouldn't bear false witness. You would love your, honor your father and mother if you love your neighbor. So now this is where the struggle and the tough part happens, right here. How can I grow spiritually when I don't love my neighbor? As I'm then actually choosing to go against God's commandment to follow him 100% and then love my neighbor as myself and love as he's loved me. See, the opposite of love is hate. And I, I know, I, I, I talked to some people prior to having be up here, you know, and that, that is a word that is like taboo, you know, because I talk to many people and they say, ooh, I don't hate anybody. I don't hate anybody. Okay, okay well, I mean, what if you said a very intensely dislike someone? Okay, very intensely dislike. Okay, um, I, I'm not sure that... For me, I might use the word hate. Um, so, um, who do I hate? Who do I intensely dislike? People that hurt me. You all have people that have hurt you, all of you. Um, I mean, my childhood was interesting to say the least. Um, I was incredibly ill. Uh, I... I from age 5 to 15, I spent 30 or more days in the hospital every single year. Uh, and when I was not in the hospital, I was still sick. I had asthma symptoms terribly and was incredibly ill. And hence, you know, I mean, I was the, quote, sick kid. Uh, not popular, really, at all. I mean, and when you're sick, even when you're not in the hospital, 
Uh, hence, you're not really a good athlete. Okay, now, did I get to be on the basketball team? Well, yes. You know why I get to be on the basketball team? Because there was 50, 5-0, 50 people from grade 7 to 12. 50. So one year, I wasn't going to go out, and the coach begged me to go out, not to play, but to sit on the bench. Because you need another guy just in case someone follows out. Um, I was also like a nerd or a geek. Um, I love to read because, I mean, remember, if you're ill, you know, what are you doing? You're, and, and I mean, you know, when I was growing up, there was three channels, you know, and you did this, you know, and, and then the TV went off at midnight, you know. And so, I mean, I read a lot, a lot, a lot. So I was kind of a nerdy guy. I, and I was really smart, which then your classmates, they don't think you're really smart because then you make the curve, you know, wrong and stuff. So, I mean, uh, boy, I, uh, yeah, not the greatest remembrances of my childhood. Um, close friends. Oof, man. Uh, I've had some, like, really, really, really close friends. Like, I thought best friends forever type people, BFF, um, that just shut me off, told me to go to you-know-where, and I haven't heard from this one friend for 40 years who was my, I roomed with this person. I mean, yeah, he was my best man at my wedding. That's hard. Um, Work colleagues. Uh, I don't know about you, but I mean, I've had people try to get me fired, um, a number of them actually. Um, I had a person who was a, I was supposed to mentor in leadership. Uh, uh, she was a student, and we spent a ton of time together. I thought she was a great friend. My wonderful wife and I, we went out to dinner with them. Uh, they came to our house. Uh, yet suddenly when uh, class was over, never heard from her again. Done. Um, and then the, I think sometimes the hardest thing with families, you know, and hate and hurt and stuff is this. It's not when people do things to me. It's when people do things to people you love. That's what's really hard. So, um, you know, long story, incredibly short. Um, my oldest son um, is visually impaired, blind. Uh, that happened when he was uh, 23 years old in the course of eight, six weeks, six to eight weeks, he went blind um, with a weird disease you've never heard of. Um, and so um, he met this woman and... So it wasn't like they were going together when he could see, and then he went blind. He, he was blind the whole time that they went out. And they got married. And then two years later, she was done. Oof. That's hard to not intensely dislike uh, that person. Very difficult. Um, 
I know each of you have people that have hurt you greatly. And, and I, I can't imagine some of the pain you've gone through. Because I, 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 I know what my pain is, and I, I know sometimes your pain is worse than mine. So it, th- this whole thing about loving people, wow. I mean, how do, we, how do you do that? I'm sorry, let me go back. There we go. Um, who do I intensely dislike? People that are against my beliefs, my ethics, my morals, my position. Um, okay, don't say names, just think. Okay, when I start running off a few things here. What about political parties? What about certain people in political office? What about anti-energy people against coal and against oil, which is Wyoming's livelihood? What about anti-hunting people? Whoa, yeah, there you go. <laughs> what about against, you know, against guns? You know, guns kill. You know, what about, um, what about green protesters you know, that are gluing themselves to the road or throwing tomato soup on works of art. What about those people? What about, you know, those people that want to reintroduce the wolf into Wyoming and have us kill all our livestock? What about insurance companies? What about drug companies? What about George Soros? Putin? What about the man suing the four hunters for corner crossing? What about MSNBC or Fox? What about the people that drive slow in the left lane? (laughs) What about people hurting my way of life? Okay, what about those Californians moving to Wyoming? (laughs) Or even those Coloradoans? What about all those people in Washington, D.C.? who don't know what's going on? What about people that I don't know about? Different cultures, different religions, different ways of life. Boy, you know, I, I intensely dislike a lot of those people. I, I know maybe you're holier than me, but I'm just being bluntly honest. It's hard to do this. This is really hard. So why do I intensely dislike them? Because they're not like me. Because they don't think like me. Because they're not godly. Hey, here's a revelation. People do stupid, ignorant, hurtful things because they're lost. They're not godly because they don't know God. So here's the thing. I'm stupid and ignorant and do hurtful things. But God still loves me. God still loves me. So I need that advocate. I need Jesus being there for me because I'm such a bad person. The only reason I'm good is because of Jesus that's in me. That's the only reason. 
So what are we to do if we're to love our neighbor as I've loved you? Okay, that's what the Bible says. We're supposed to show them Christ through our actions. Not say words, to show them. See, words are often unheard. Um, or they don't want to be heard. Or they're not impactful. I, I know God can do anything he wants to do. I know that. And I know there's probably some people somewhere that were saved because in the end zone, someone held up the sign John 3.16. It's possible. But it's more possible that it's because of the way you live your life that people get introduced to Jesus. So, um, Marie and I have a story that we have dear, dear friends that live in Colorado Springs. Um, and when we met them, they were unchurched people. And we loved them. I mean, they were people that were just lovable. And we loved them. And years went by. And, you know, it never, I don't know, it never felt right, you know, to say, do you want to come to church or, are you saved or anything like that? It just never felt right. But our friend came to salvation and one of the main reasons he came to salvation is because of what he saw in Marie and I. We never preached the gospel to him. We never had him come to church. But he, his testimony was he saw Marie and I acting Godly, acting good, acting in ways he wanted to be, and that's what brought him to God. Okay, interestingly then, he kind of had his wife come with him. Kind of a two-for-one deal, okay? And then he has actually then had other people that he has witnessed to. Not because of what I said, but how I, we were living our lives. See, what would Jesus do? The ever-popular WWJD. Okay. Jesus hung around tax collectors, prostitutes, sick people, bleeding, blind, unable to speak, people with leprosy, poor people, discarded people. He, he didn't really preach to them. He just kind of hung around them and loved him with their, his actions. See, all these difficult people that were around in Jesus' day are still here. The poor, the sick, those with alcohol and drug problems, those in jail, liars, cheaters, adulterers, power-hungry people, greedy people, you name it. All those people, people kind of the same despite the fact 2,000 years has elapsed. All these people are still here. And they're just as hard to love back then as they are today. But Jesus showed us the way of how to do that. So who are today's tax collectors and prostitutes and discarded people? Who, who are those people? Okay. And number one, do I hang out with them? Ouch. Do I have coffee with people from different political parties than mine? Do I do that? Do I hang around pro-choice people? Have, have them over for dinner? Do I have Muslims over or Palestinians over or 
marijuana users over or undocumented people over? Do I have them come to my house and love them like Jesus did to the people that were in his time? No, I don't do that very well. I don't. Do I hang out with people I dislike? Okay, most of the time I just tolerate people I dislike and I can't wait to get away from them. Do I hang out with members of my own family that I have troubles with? No, not really. I mostly try to avoid them. Then Jesus stood up and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I. Neither do I. Go and sin no more. What? I mean, that's a wow. That, that's a wow right there. Luke 5, page 836. But the Pharisees and their teachers of the religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples. Why do you eat and drink with such scum? Jesus answers them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Another wow. Christian love is not a feeling. Christianity is not a club. You know, like you came in the door, you know, they showed them your cross, uh, showed them your Bible, and then they let you in. What we're supposed to do is to love our neighbor. Jesus saved people by loving them right where they were. Right where they were. However, he loved them enough not to just leave them there. That's what we're supposed to do. That's what I'm supposed to do. Okay? Instead of avoiding people that I hate or intensely dislike, I'm supposed to love them and pray for them. I mean, imagine, okay, you're, you're, you're driving down I-90, uh, it's a blizzard, uh, I, I, I see a car in the ditch, okay? So I'm slowing down, slowing down, because I'm going I'm to help, because remember, I'm a good person, okay? And get ready, it, it's a Tesla. <laughs> With California plates. And there's a bumper sticker on it that says, Coal Kills. <laughs> and Marijuana for All. And the door opens up, and someone who doesn't look like me at all steps out. Okay. Is the first words out of my mouth, are you a believer? No. My first words should be, how can I help you? That's what Jesus would have done. How can I help you? He'd have helped you change the tire, pull you out of the ditch. So I've been beating up on myself. You know why? Because the most difficult person to forgive is me. That's why. It's easier for me to forgive other people. Here's what I do many times. I don't accept God's forgiveness until I go through guilt shame, 
condemnation, remorse, frustration, and beat myself up. And then when I feel that I should be forgiven, then I go to God. In other words, I'm kind of playing God myself, like okay, I'm the one passing judgment on me. Okay, God is the one who does all that, not me. That's Jesus died for our sins, past and future. Okay, remember, okay, Christ died 2,000 years ago, so all the sins we're committing today were in the future at that time. All the things you're going to do tomorrow, already forgiven. Already forgiven because he's forgiven once today. What I need to do is recognize my failures and accept God's grace and forgiveness. Accept it and strive to love him more. That's the key. Love him more. By loving him more, then I want to do those commandments. I want to do those things. When I do things wrong, what I've learned and am continuing to learn is this. I don't need to run away from him. I need to run to him. Okay, so, I mean, if you're, if you're out on the ocean and someone throws you a life preserver, okay, you should swim towards the life preserver, not away from it. If I've messed up, I shouldn't run away from God. I should run to God. And he already knows stuff anyway. There's really no secrets. You don't have what you want because you don't ask for it. You don't ask God for it. It's as if I'm locked in a prison cell of pain and guilt and shame and condemnation and ugliness and filth and to find out that God didn't put me there. I put me there. Okay, so now imagine yourself, you're in the jail cell, you know, it's terrible, okay? And then the jailer, Jesus, comes up to the bars and hands me the keys to get out. Your sins are forgiven. Go free. And I say, no, no. I think I need to sit in here just a little bit longer. You know, you stay out there for a while longer because I'm not worthy. Hey, of course we're not worthy. Jesus with love in his eyes says, that's why I came. Because you're not worthy. But I love you so much that I died on the cross to forgive you and all your sins, and all you have to do is believe. What does that mean? Take the key that I've already handed to you and unlock the jail cell because I want to give you a big hug. All right, folks. Words are words, actions are something different. Okay, so here's your homework. You might want to write this down. Okay? Why do I hate or intensely dislike? Okay, reflect on this this week. What can I do to resolve it? 
how can I choose to forgive the other person? Now remember, forgiveness doesn't mean it was right. It's not condoning their actions, not saying it's right that you're wrong. What it means is just to free yourself. Remember, you're in the jail cell. You have the key. Forgive yourself. And then what do I need to do do to forgive in myself so that I can move closer to God? Because many times, okay, why we can't see God, feel God, hear God is because of us. We're the ones blocking him. This week, pray about this. Release those burdens. Ask God to help you. Ask Jesus to comfort you. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you wisdom and knowledge as to what you need to do so that you can accept Christ's love. Lord Jesus, thank you for for loving us when we are so unlovable. Thank you, Jesus, for crossing the barrier between God, the Father, filled with holiness and light, when we are not that, and bringing love into the picture so that we have the opportunity to live. Help us to show love to our neighbors so that they can see God in us. In Jesus' name, amen.